Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Kohler at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. Welcome to Cavs HQ presented by Betway. Thank you for joining us on the Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland, good Sunday morning and happy Easter, everyone, as we welcome you to Cavs HQ. Great to have you with us as the 21-22 season has come to a conclusion. Disappointing loss for the Cavs on a Friday night as they were eliminated by the Atlanta Hawks. But Jim Jones, certainly uh, one loss and seeing the season come to an end uh, certainly doesn't put what we just went through as far as the 21-22 season into a negative light. Uh, what a remarkable campaign it was. Yeah, this is one of those seasons that uh, it's hard to lose meaning that uh, there were some challenges, we overcame them, uh, the future is bright, and we have a foundation. So the Cavs have, in spite of losing to Atlanta, who, who Trey Young played like the oh. superstar he is in that second half, the Cavaliers are well on their way. I think it's easy to predict that they'll be better next year. The question is, how much better? Tim, just think about it. You know, in some of the questions that you're going to ask some of our guests, how much better could the Cavs have been if they would have stayed relatively healthier? Oh, my goodness. Uh, and to think about the past season, uh, to go from 22 to 44 wins, uh, to double that is just Unbelievable. So, coming up on the show, we're going to hear from Chris Fedor. He covers the Cavaliers for Cleveland.com like nobody else, so his insights will just be tremendous. And then Jim and I will hear from some of the players after the season came to an end on Friday. So, stay with us. Chris Fedor is up next on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. center circle. Lobbed to Allen. Allen lobbed to Mobley. Powell with two hands. Attempt the execution. 
in the half court, in transition, off the dribble by Levert. Everything is working. Mobley, topside Love, open three, perfect. That's what I'm talking about, Tim. Love is in there, you've got to find him. Levert on the left side, bounce to Allen. Pow, with two hands. That'll bring the house down. Welcome back, Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Those highlights, courtesy of the guys on the other side of the window, the dynamic duo. They've done a fabulous job all season long. Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, and of course those highlights from the Friday night game against Atlanta in which the Cavs saw their season come to an end. They were eliminated by the Hawks 107-101. to And a guy that has been there game in and game out, well, except for when his wife had a baby and he took some time off. But Chris Fedor from Cleveland.com now joins us on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Chris, great to have you with us. And, of course, uh, we heard your voice yesterday during the uh, the Zoom calls with the Cavs players as they met with the media members following the season and as they cleaned out their lockers down at Cleveland Clinic Courts. And to a man, Chris, uh, they were all asked uh, – what their take was or what their reflections were of the 21-22 season. So uh, I'll reverse it and put that on you as you look back, and we all have to decompress a little bit, but what will be your take and your thoughts on this 21-22 season that ended for a lot of us a little too soon? Yeah, the way that I wrote it yesterday, guys, is that I think it's right to have a bunch of mixed emotions. I think it's a fascinating dichotomy when you break down this season because there's disappointment and satisfaction there's loathing and appreciation there's mourning and pride and rarely do those terms go together but I think that it encapsulates the season because you can't lose sight just because the Cavs did not make it to a seven game series um, just because they didn't make it to the playoffs just because they lost both playing games to Brooklyn and Atlanta you can't lose sight of the fact that they doubled their win total, the second biggest improvement in franchise history. You can't lose sight of the fact that they have three guys that they can build this franchise around in Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and that's a really, really good place to be. You can't lose sight of the fact that Kevin Love is in the conversation for sixth man of the year and J.B. Bickerstaff is in the conversation for coach of the year. So there are very differing feelings, but I think the overarching one is that there were more positives than negatives for this season, even though ultimately they didn't get the seven-game series that I think this organization desperately needs to take the next step in their development. You know, Chris, you're exactly right, you know, but even the negatives, uh, we'll chalk that up as experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, We'll make it easy on ourselves. But what did you see in this team uh, from an intangible perspective that made them sort of unique this year? I just think it was the camaraderie. They liked each other. And it's interesting because Doc Rivers, Philadelphia 76ers head coach, said that that jumps off the screen when you watch them on film. They root for each other. They enjoy being around each other. There is a group chat that the team has going where – They're trading jokes, and they're having a good time, and they want to get together on the road. And Kevin Love even said that he's planning um, a pre-training camp get-together with the team, maybe in Nashville, where they're going to do some karaoke, some team bonding, and they're also going to do some workouts. Right? They just want to be around each other. 
And it's so interesting to see that from a young group because sometimes, you know, you have these guys that are trying to find their place in the NBA and they're trying to establish their roles and maybe they're trying to establish dominance and they're playing for contracts and all those different factors can play into it. But it just felt like to me throughout the course of the season that the Cavs played for each other. None of that other ancillary stuff. And to me, that's what makes this group special. Oh, great point. Again, we're talking with Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com. If you're a Cavs fan, and I would think you would be if you're listening to this show right now, if you're not following Chris on Twitter or reading his content on Cleveland.com, you are missing out. He does an extraordinary job in following this basketball team. So, Chris, as we continue to look forward, uh, what are the big question marks or what are the issues that the Cavs would need to resolve as they look ahead to 22-23? Well, they got to stay healthy. That's first and foremost. Right. they got to find a way to do that because the injuries were just crippling and they derailed the season. And some of them, obviously, were completely unavoidable and out of their control, but health is a big thing that they have to focus on this off season, seeing what led to what, and if there's anything that they can do about that. The other thing is beyond experience that they need to gain that showed itself in the loss against Brooklyn and in the loss against Atlanta. I think they need some more playmaking alongside Darius Garland. And it's hard for me to say that, right? Because Ricky Rubio was supposed to be that guy, and the Cavs front office recognized the importance of getting that other playmaker, that other ball handler, somebody to take pressure off of Darius, and that's why they went out. And the first offseason move that they made was trading for Ricky to be that veteran stabilizer, to be the guy who could run the team without Darius. But without him, you saw so much burden on Darius. All eyes were on him. And it just made things really, really difficult for the Cavs' offense. So I think beyond the other things that we talked about, if we're talking about a roster move perspective, they have to find a secondary ball handler, somebody to play that Ricky Rubio-type role. It was supposed to be in some ways Karis LeVert. That didn't work out according to plan. Obviously, they have a decision to make on Colin Sexton this offseason. He could be a restricted free agent. He could take some of that scoring pressure and ball handling pressure off of Darius, but they just need some more playmaking because I felt like at the end of the season, too much fell on Darius. Are you sold on a tall ball? Well, then let me preface it. Are you sold (laughs) on it in a small ball league? (laughs) I'm sold on it to a point. The problem with the tall ball thing is this. If you take one of the tall ball guys out of the equation, it drastically changes things. You know what I mean? Like part of the reason why it works so well is that Evan and Jarrett can cover for Lowry. And I think Lowry has some issues defending the threes and the players that he would have to defend on a nightly basis. Mm -hmm. But when you have Jarrett and Evan protecting him and covering up those mistakes, It looks really, really good. What made it so unique is two elite rim protectors on the court at the same time that are also switchable out on the perimeter. Very few teams in the NBA have that kind of look, and the Cavs do because of Jared and Evan. But if either one of those is taken out of the equation, 
then you see some big-time defensive issues with the Cavs. So to me, it can work to a point, but I still have questions specifically about Lowry and the way that he can hold up over an 82-game season or a seven-game series having to guard the guys that he would have to guard. That's what I'm talking about with Chris Fedor. Great insights. Again, Chris, our guest on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. We're going to sneak in a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll hear more from Chris Fedor. So stay with us. Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Glad to bring it to you along the Cavaliers Radio Network. Garland left of the lane, right side market and wide open three. He's got another one. That's right. They're leaving him open. They're trying to slow down Garland by building a wall, but Garland and Levert are finding the open man. Garland to the free throw line. Garland spins down the lane and laid it in. Oh, an exquisite all-star move from Darius Garland. Long pass down the floor to Hunter. Shot blocked from behind by Mobley. Holy Mobley, what a block by Evan. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Betway, all along the Cavaliers Radio Network. Great to have you with us on this Sunday morning. Happy Easter to all those who celebrate. Great to have with us on the program, Chris Fedor from Cleveland.com. And as I mentioned during the first segment, if you're not following Chris on Twitter or reading his content, uh, you're missing out. Does an unbelievable job in following this basketball team. And, of course, my co-host is Jim Jones. Jim, we'll let you get things rolling here in segment number two with Chris. Thank you, Tim. Can Darius Garland and Mobley be superstars? Oh, yeah, I think so. The thing that, that I love about this team moving forward is that it seems like they have built this big three organically. They didn't go out and spend big in free agency. Now they traded for Jarrett, but it was a smaller cost than what you would think for that caliber player. And the Cavs know going into this offseason, guys, that they've got three players that they can build around. Now they have to find the ancillary pieces that are going to fit around those guys. And Darius and Evan and Jarrett, the other great thing about the trio is that they all fit well together with each other. They can all play well off of each other. They fill in the gaps that are missing from one another. And for the first three years of this rebuild, you know, there were a lot of conversations about what is the fit of this team? Okay, so they have individual talent, but do these guys fit? Okay, Colin Sexton is good individually, Darius good individually, but can they play together? The three most important players in this organization moving forward can play together, and I agree with you, Jim. I do think that Evan, in three to five years, is going to be in the conversation for one of the best players in the entire league. I think he can be that good at both ends of the floor. And Darius is the kind of guy that the elite teams have, somebody who can break down defenses, somebody that can manipulate the game, somebody who is incredibly effective in pick-and-roll situations. So when you have that kind of offensive orchestrator, and I think Darius is only going to get better. I think he's going to use the loss against Atlanta where he was not very good, 9 of 27 from the field, five turnovers. I think he's going to use that as motivation and fuel, and that's going to allow him to take his game to the next level. So it's really, really exciting to think about this feeling of both Darius and Evan individually, but I think it's more exciting to think about the trio that this group is building around and what that could mean for the future of the Cavs. 
Chris, the last time Jim and I had you on Cavs HQ, uh, I said, listen, Chris, pat yourself on the back. Uh, you were one of those, one of the few, that going back to training camp and preseason said, uh, this team can make a jump. They can make a leap. And they sure did. But still, is there anything about this past campaign that surprised you that you weren't anticipating? I think it was the significant improvement that they made defensively. It's very rare in the NBA, guys, to see a team that is in the bottom five of the NBA for multiple years in a row go from that to top five. Like, I thought, given the setup that they had, that they could be respectable. Like, they were a disaster in the first three years. So going from disaster to respectable was likely – I thought based on the personnel changes that they made, but going from um, a disaster to elite, that surprised me. And the level that they played at the beginning of the year with the competitiveness, um, with the intensity, the way that they played so hard at the beginning of the year, like it surprised me that it lasted as long as it did. Now they faded at the end of the season in the second half, but for like, 65 games or so before the crippling injuries really took it out of them. They played with an intensity that is rare around the NBA in the regular season. And I thought, you know, based on how they started that they were going to run out of gas a little bit sooner than they did. So those to me were the two biggest surprises. Yeah. uh, One of the things, you know, we were talking about injuries and whatever, that starting five plays about as hard, you know, when they're intact, as hard as any young group I've ever seen. Uh, the second thing is uh, the bench is still a question mark, isn't it, Chris? Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think the Cavs have to figure out what they're going to do with Jetty Osman. Can they find an upgrade there? You know, obviously, they've invested some draft capital in, in trying to improve that position. They did it with Dylan Windler. Didn't work. Isaac Okoro. Still not where he needs to be offensively, especially when you're talking about pressure-packed games against Brooklyn and Atlanta. So that is a position. They need a two-way shooting wing. That is a position that they need to address. Can they find somebody that is more consistent, more reliable than Jetty Osman? On top of that, they do need to find, like I said, a better backup point guard than what they had in the second half of the season, which was Rondo. They need somebody similar to Ricky Rubio to anchor that. If you look at the splits for both Kevin Love and Jetty Osman before the Rubio injury and after the Rubio injury, they are striking. The points per game, the shooting percentages, the open looks that they got, Mm. that all tailed off. And that was to be expected because Rubio's vision, Rubio's playmaking, Rubio's starting caliber point guard that was playing with those guys in the second unit, and he was anchoring that second unit. So, yeah, there are certainly questions that the Cavs have to figure out from a depth perspective. But I think the truth is, like, you go into a season and you try and feel good about your seven to eight in the rotation, one to seven to eight. When you're starting to rely on, like, 12, 13, and 14 to play similar to your top eight, you're going to run into problems. And the Cavs were asking some of these guys at the back end of their rotation to step up in a way that they just weren't ready for, to be perfectly honest. Well, that's a great point. Chris, I want to ask you a question that I've heard you ask, JB, and players. So, again, I'm going to turn the tables, but I've heard you ask, JB, and some of the guys, is it frustrating? Is it almost haunting 
to think about how good this team could have been if they had stayed relatively healthy, not even completely healthy. So I'll ask you that. How good do you feel this team could have been if all the bodies and all the pieces had been assembled? Yeah, I mean, I think there are always tiers in every single conference that you're talking about. And and I don't think that the Cavs would have been in the tier of what I think belongs to Milwaukee and Boston, because I think those are legitimate title contenders in the Eastern Conference. But I think they could have been in that next tier clumped with Miami, Philly, the Chicago Bulls. They would have been better than the Chicago Bulls. To me, I think if the Cavs would have been able to stay healthy and they would have been able to see this thing through, I definitely think they would have been pushing for either the fifth seed or the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. There wouldn't have been a winner-go-home game against Atlanta. There wouldn't have been the first playing game against the Brooklyn Nets because the pace that they were on pointed to them being in that second tier of the Eastern Conference. And if you don't believe they belong there, at least the third tier in the Eastern Conference. So I think the human element attached to this is that there is frustration and disappointment that the Cavs weren't able to see this thing through. But at the same time, I I think it gives you hope moving forward to the future because there were some uncontrollables that led to them not reaching their ultimate goal of getting to the playoffs. Great point. Well, as you said, uh, this season and and the way it ended – will fuel and motivate these guys heading into 22-23. I think the future is incredibly bright. And again, thank you, Chris, not only for appearing with us here on Cavs HQ, but just your excellent work all season long in covering this basketball team. You got it, guys. I appreciate you saying that. I really do. Thank you, Chris. Thank Thank you you very much. Chris Fedor from Cleveland.com joining us here on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. And as I said a couple of times uh, during our conversation, Follow Chris Fedor on Twitter. Read his content. It is absolutely outstanding, the coverage that he gives of Cavaliers basketball. We'll take a quick timeout. We've got more to come. Stay with us. Cavs HQ, presented by Betway, all along the Cavaliers radio network. The Cleveland Cavaliers and the Davey Tree Expert Company have teamed up to help make Northeast Ohio a little greener with the Trees for Threes program, which celebrates every three-pointer the Cavs made in the regular season by planting the matching number of trees. The inaugural tree planting event will take place this fall. Following the final game, the Cavs sunk a total of 953 three-balls this year. Thank you to Pat Covey, Chairman, President, and CEO and Sandy Reed, Vice President of Corporate Communications and Strategic Planning from Davy Tree, for your support in the community. Cabs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be back with more Cabs HQ, presented by Betway, after this on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Levert matched up against Young. Levert loses Young. Three ball up. And good! That's right. Answer him every time. Hands it down low to Allen. Pow! With the right hand. Pow! Welcome back, J.A. DG, top of the key. Jumper. Good! There is Garland. Hits the jumper, and the Cavs are within three with two minutes to go. 
Welcome back. Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones. Great to have you with us on this Sunday morning on the other side of the window. Kurt McLaughlin and Marty Allen. And, of course, those highlights from Friday night. Unfortunately, the Cavs season came to an end on Friday as Atlanta knocked the Cavs out with a final of 107-101. to But, Jim Jones, uh, it certainly, as we mentioned Friday night at the end of the broadcast, uh, it does not diminish uh, what a remarkable campaign it was for this Cavalier basketball team. You're, you're exactly right, Tim. In Latin, we call it sine qua non which means what is the essence? And the essence of this season has been the surprise competitive ability of this Cavalier team. Well, let's go back to Friday night because after the ball game, uh, I'm sure it was a disappointed and yet a very proud J.B. Bickerstaff that talked to the media. And he talked about this 21-22 basketball squad and what a special group it was. This was the most special group of guys that I've ever been around collectively. You know, I have not been around a group of guys who care so much about each other and care more about the group than any individual accolades or accomplishments. Um, everything they did the entire year was for the greater good of the team. And, you know, it is special to be a part of. And I'm thankful um, and appreciative. Like I told the guys in there, this is being honest. I, I didn't have one bad day with these guys going to work. Um, you know, wins, losses, ups and downs. But every single day we went to work together, we enjoyed each other. Jim, uh, some real strong and emotional words there from J.B. Bickerstaff. And one of the things that you and I have talked about throughout the season and during broadcast is the word trust between players and a coach and players amongst themselves and coaches with players. Talk about trust and how J.B. has really developed that with this basketball team. Well, what he's done is uh, he's coached them. And by coaching, he's given them strategies and other goals that will help them achieve their ultimate goal, which is to win a game and win consistently. But on the other side, Tim, he was a teacher. And uh, the greatest gift is a teacher. Jesus was a teacher. So what I'm saying is that when you teach, it becomes interpersonal. There's a certain response that you expect from the student, but the student can only learn if he's willing to be taught. And that's what JB gave to this team. He gave them the ability to be themselves, be authentic, which is what this generation is about, but also to show some commitment. Just not being involved, you know, with the hand clapping. I mean, but being committed to a strategy, a coaching style, a teaching style that would allow them to win. And when it happened, and the proof was in the pudding, uh, and the proof was in the concept, that they started winning, then they bought in. I want to say one other thing. Absolutely. That this is a different type of player. The profile for the players today is that they are very skilled, but they have tremendous amount of inexperience. This is a young man's league. It's a young league. And to be able to communicate with these kids, you have to touch them. And I thought that's what JB did. Well, that's a great point. And I want to touch on a, a couple of the young cornerstones of this franchise, uh, not only this year, but moving forward. Uh, Darius Garland and Jared Allen. We'll start with Jared. Uh, a remarkable performance on Friday night. He hadn't played in 19 games. And, and you could see that he wasn't quite the all-star Jared Allen, but the courage and really the, the effort and the fortitude that he showed to play on Friday night, I thought was terrific. 
Yes, and he was their leader. You know, he was the the guy that made sense in the locker room. You know, he'd been around. He started out as a young kid, but he's highly intelligent and highly respected, and he stands for something. And what he stood for was a total commitment to JB and a total commitment to his teammates and a total commitment to the style of play that we play. And it made him an all-star this season. His consistency of play, there aren't five centers in the league that played as well as him. So the point is this. He set the tone for where this team is going. And for him to go out there with a fractured, let's just tell the truth, it was a broken finger and the swelling and all of that stuff, and you got to have your hands. And he went out there courageously and played for this team and put in some serious starter minutes. And I thought that he was one of the reasons why they played so well in the first half. And we talked about the fact he's one of the cornerstones of this franchise moving forward. And Jared Allen, after the ball game, said, no doubt uh, the future is very bright for this basketball team. Who knows how far we can go? I mean, we have the rookie of the year on our team. We have Darius, who had a huge leap in this year. JB shows why he, he deserved that extension. You know, We have all these pieces together that's showing that we can come out and be an excellent team next year. Teams have done it all the time. You look at Memphis. They turned it around almost instantly, so I think we can do that. Oh, there's no doubt. And, Jim, to follow up on that, uh, the blueprint is there as far as what other teams have done. We saw it with Atlanta on Friday night. Jared mentioned Memphis, Phoenix, these teams that have built organically and become elite-level teams in the NBA. Yeah, I think you can. And uh, Kobe knows the formula. He knows that the foundation starts with our youth. But I thought it was very profound and strategic of him to sprinkle in veteran players and uh, have those veteran players lead and give an example and nurture our, our young players who had not experienced some things. One of the things that I watched him in that fourth quarter when it was 84-84, and as I said, this is the time when he said, okay, 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 we're starting all over. We're tied. Okay, so let's see how we play. I saw something that was very distinct. I saw the Atlanta Hawks take their game to another level. And by that, they made less mistakes They got open shots, they made the extra pass, they defended aggressively, and they gave the Cavs one shot at the basket. That's the formula for closing games. Now, two years ago, we could have beaten this team, but we couldn't beat them this year because of the experiences that they had had the year before. Right. They they learned and they progressed him. And then I looked at our guys. There was no hero ball. But there was another level or two missing that we didn't have that we'll have next year because of these experiences. Well, that's a great point. And, of course, uh, one of the guys that we'll rely on uh, next year and hopefully for a long time to come, leading Rookie of the Year candidate Evan Mobley. And Evan Mobley echoed what Jared Allen said. Uh, It's a very bright future. I feel like we definitely can get better and better throughout the years of playing together, better chemistry, better knowing where each other are at on the floor. I feel like we can, like we did today, kind of switch everything. Uh, that provides a lot of different looks for us that we can go for. But, yeah, the opportunities are endless with that lineup. Jim, can you reflect on when you were a player having gone through that first playoff and just what it meant as you went into the off season and how it helped you grow as a player? Well, Tim, you're on it, babe. You're hot today. Boy, the coffee must have been good at Starbucks today. It's strong. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first year in the playoffs. And all I remember was the excitement. I remember the excitement. I remember uh, feeling optimistic. 
and I remember the disappointments. But all of that stirred me to work harder in the summer. A month after the season was over, I started running five miles a day, four days a week, lifting three days a week, and spending at least two to three hours in the morning or in the late evenings just shooting and playing by myself. I didn't play much five on five because in my hometown there weren't enough guys. But uh, I used to go to Milwaukee, play on weekends with Freddie Brown, Johnny Johnson, and those guys. But the point is that it's a motivating factor of a preview that has yet to come. And uh, these kids are motivated, Tim. You know, it's all about experiences, man. You know, how do people learn? What did Faulkner say? Observation, experience, and imagination. So they had to go through something and in order to be what they're going to become next year. They have the pieces in place. They have the administration. They have the coaching staff. They have these great Cavalier fans. And we're just waiting and anticipating of what's going to happen next year when Mobley's a year older, Jared Allen's a year older, when marketing was going to come back with superior confidence and an all-star and superstar in the making in Young Garland. It's going to be very special, no doubt. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Jim and I will continue to reflect on this incredible season that the Cavs put forth. So stay with us. It's Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Gallinari, right of the lane against Levert, spins on Karras. Comes to the basket, shot blocked by Jared Allen. Garland comes around Herder. Garland into the lane, hands it off to Mobley. Pow! Two hands. Size matters. Mobley on the right sideline, top side to Garland. Shoots it left wing, market it. Wide open three. Bang! That's how you do it. Stay together, get some stops. Highlights from the Cavaliers and the Hawks on a Friday night at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Unfortunately, the final outcome. Wasn't what we had hoped for as Atlanta down the Cavs 107 to 101 to put an end to this 21-22 season for the Cavaliers. But what a remarkable campaign it was. And Jim, before I throw it to you, uh, I want to hear from Lowry Marketing. Of course, that crowd on Friday night was absolutely electric. What an atmosphere at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, and the crowd was great all season long, but Friday night was really special. And here's Lowry Marketing talking about the home crowd support at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. I mean, they've been with us the whole time, and we felt the crowd, I mean, obviously tonight, but just throughout the whole year we've we felt the energy in the building and uh so i just want to show the appreciation a little bit got such a great fan base and hopefully we can bring it back next year now jim one thing that the cavaliers broadcast team does is supply us with some great noise reducing headphones up there but even with those headphones on friday night chip we could hear how loud that arena was boy hats off to the cavalier fans well, you know, the fans are a fundamental part of the game. They get you going. They uh, make you have that what we call an acute feeling of, of urgency that something has to be done, and it helps with your intensity. Our fans have always been great, even through the great championship runs that we've had and before that and going all the way back to when I played, when uh, we were out at the old arena and in our locker room. Fitch was standing right next to us, and we couldn't hear his voice because the fans were chanting so loud. Cleveland is that kind of city, and everyone that comes here, and I know it's just not to make uh, rhetoric, uh, they say these fans are different, and they are different, Tim. 
they're loyal fans, and they're growing up with a young team. So these young kids that are coming to these games, trying to get the free T-shirts, these are our new fans, and they're going to grow up with these guys. And by the way, we opened the segment hearing from Lowry Market, and boy, they were cheering a lot for Lowry on Friday night. Great performance, 26 points, knocked down six three balls. And, Jim, it was great to see Lowry, as the year went along, become more and more comfortable with the system and really thrive in JB's system. Yeah, he he did, and he thrives anytime when Big Jared Allen is on the floor <laughs> along with Mobley, because then he can focus on what he does best. Hey, look at you know you want everybody to be able to do a little bit of everything, but the real thing about life and about playing basketball is what do you do best, and that's one thing that JB keeps restating to us all the time: just be yourself and do what you do best. What this kid does best is he can shoot. He's just a a, a killer. But what he needs, he needs that other support of those things that he's not good at. And that's what Jared Allen supplied. When Jared Allen came out there and now you got your big front line, no one could match up with marketing. And he had one of the greatest games I've seen for a young kid. Uh, I call this our playoff game. And I just thought he was outstanding. He made every big shot. He made open shots, you know, and he stayed aggressive on both ends of the floor. And, of course, the guy who led the Cavs all season long, uh, all-star selection, Darius Garland. Uh, what a remarkable year he had. Uh, his growth from his first two seasons was just exponential. He had an incredible season. And here's Darius Garland talking about the year overall. A lot of positive from this year. I got the rookie of the year right here. Um, everybody made big strides individually and as a team. I mean, nobody expected us to be here in the first place, so... To have that and uh, everybody down us and us getting to play in tournament with all the adversity that we fought through. And I mean, it was a good year for us. Jim, from a former player's perspective, uh, describe to our fans and to our listeners the growth of Darius Garland this year, the huge leap that he took, and how and why that happened. They knew he had talent. About a month ago, we did a promotion at Lexus, and I had a chance to talk to Kobe Altman. And one of the things I asked him in front of the audience off camera was, uh, when did you guys know that Darius could play? He said, Jim, we've been watching him since high school. <laughs> <laughs> They've been watching this kid since high school. And when the opportunity came, they said, oh, my goodness, we can get this kid? And, you know, they did their background checks and everything because he was injured. I think he only played five or six college games. And we had to take him. Everybody kept complaining. Well, what are they going to do with uh, two point guards? Well, this kid uh, answered that. He's a true point guard in the new sense of the way point guards play. Then, uh, you know, Kobe has really close ties with USA Basketball because that's one of the places he got his start. And so he recommended Garland. And Garland was playing with the best in our game every day morning and evening in on strategies and he realized something i'm just as good as these guys what's the difference my inexperience but i can play with these guys that was a huge confidence builder for him the other thing is this that we watched that we haven't talked about in this league to win you need two guards you need a starting point guard and you need an off guard or a combo guard or two guard and uh ours kept changing all season we lost Sexton, we lost Rubio, we lost Levert for a while. Okora went from his swing position to the two guard. There's been a whole bunch of changes, but the consistency had been 
this young kid. He stayed true to the game and the system. He became a regular 20 and 10 guy down the stretch. He literally carried us. He literally took and made every big shot that was necessary for us to stay in games. He's a superstar in the making. And he almost had another double-double on Friday night as he finished up with 21 and 9. 21 points and 9 assists. Well, to bring this uh, full circle, we talked in the first segment about trust. Trust between JB and the players, the players and JB, and just organizationally how they all trust one another. And here's Jared Allen talking about how that trust was the real key component to this basketball team all season long. We said it all year about this group and having each other's back and playing for each other and just being there for each other off the court. I think, no, I don't think. I know that's the reason that we were able to get through all of this adversity. We are able to have each other's backs. We trusted one another to step up in the times that we needed them the most, and we just went out there and played as a team. So, Jim, uh, we trust that this is going to be a very bright future for this basketball team. Yes, we do. You know, I've got a friend that uh, coaches over in uh, uh, Saudi Arabia, and he came home uh, about 25 games into the season when we were really playing well. And we talked every morning. I steal all his stuff. You know, I'm good at stealing other people's stuff. That's true. So, I, so it is, really. So uh, he would, we were talking. His name is Rip Taylor. And uh, he said, you know, the one thing that everybody's overlooking, Jones. I said, what? Chemistry. I said, well, Rip, define chemistry. Trust. There we trust go. Trust your coaches. You trust your teammates. You trust yourself. And that's why I, I kept bringing in every, in all my conversations. Chemistry. That's what they had. They had chemistry. They played as one. Tim, that is the hardest place to take a team if you're a coach. How do I develop chemistry? How do I make them play for each other? And that is so difficult to do. So that's why I'm honored this season to have a chance to watch JB every day. And he's the same person. He's approachable. Uh, he doesn't talk above you. He doesn't talk below you. He talks to you. No matter who you are, you could be someone, uh, the bus driver on the bus. This guy demands respect, but he also gives respect. And as you've heard all season through his commentaries and press conference pre and post, he's always teaching. He's always talking about the intangibles, those things that make us human. Great, great stuff. All right, we'll take a timeout when we come back. We'll put the finishing touches on this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Huge thank you to Chris Fedor for joining us in the first segment, and then, of course, Jim Jones, Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, a great big thank you to you guys. And again, thank you to the Cleveland Cavaliers for a remarkable 21-22 campaign. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Cavs HQ presented by Betway. So until then, Tim Elkhorn saying so long, everybody. Everybody.